today it's just a little tight. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And for the clumsy apart like myself, it's not good. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. How are y'all? Good. I'm Steve, and I'm the pastor here at Vintage 242, and we are glad that you were here. Let's do this real quick. Let's take our baskets that you have. You passed down earlier, and if you fill out a connect card, just be the time. We're going to pass those back down. You can stick that card into the into the basket, and just so uh, I can shoot you an email. Now, I will confess, for those of you who've been here the last couple of weeks, I'm about two and a half weeks behind on those, and... Uh, and hold on a second. Um, oh wait, never mind. Uh, so um, yeah, I'm about, I'm about two, two, two and a half weeks behind. So I will get to those uh, this week. And um, and so if you fill out your card this week, I will shoot you an email. And basically, it's just saying thanks for coming and all that kind of stuff. So it'd be good. All right. Well, we're back. Last week, if you uh, if you came last week for the very first time to Vintage, you realize we weren't here. Uh, we, we actually connected with our other churches in our network, and uh, we have a network of about five different churches. We all met at the Mount Perrin Gym last week, all five churches. So for those of you who went, uh, man, it was a great time. For those of you who slept in, I'm sure that was awesome too, And uh, which is fine. You know, hey, everybody needs a little time away, right? A holiday from each other. Anyway, so um, you, did you catch the song there? That was a song. Okay, thank you. Everybody needs a little time away. Okay, anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I mean, probably took the week off, slept in last week, enjoyed your family, and I'm, and I'm, it was a blessing, and, and, uh, so anyway, it was good. But we had a great time just being together as family last week, and with all the five churches, and, and so I, I'm excited. You know, we, you know, we did that two years ago, and there were three churches. We did it this year, and there were five. I'm excited to see, we'll do it again in two more years, and I'm excited to see where we'll be in, in, in two more years, the churches in our network. And uh, so just continue to be in prayer always with this, this network of churches uh, that we're a part of. Right now, I'll sit on the board of this. And we really just, and the idea is that we're all like-minded, you know, with our vision of wanting to see our community transformed by Jesus. And, uh, and so just pray that God would give us wisdom. Clay, I know this is really annoying you because you can't see my face fully, so I'll move it for you, bro. That's, that's my gift to you. All right. So anyway, all right, let's do this. Let's jump in this morning. So every moment of every day since the beginning of time has a name. Every moment of every day since the beginning of time, it has, it has a name. We call it history. We call it history. And history for humanity, for humanity, you're a human being, you're humanity, for humanity has a starting point, and we call that starting point Creation, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. It's this, this creation story. It's this, this, this story of, how, of what God did of initiation, right? The story of God, the history of God has no beginning and no end, right? The history of God's different than the history of humanity. You get that, right? God has his own unique history that humanity is just a part of, the fraction of, right? But, but as it relates to us, we have this history. History starting and it began in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. God spoke and something happened, right? It was this breakthrough moment of God speaking into nothingness and, and something formed and was created as beautiful, beautiful pictures. So in the context of that, humanity, human beings, men and women, they were, they were, or man and woman, they were, they were created, they were designed by God. It was just a beautiful, beautiful moment, right? This intended plan. This, this is God's intended plan. Genesis 1 and 2. It's like God's intended plan for every human being, for all of humanity, all of creation, 
And in their moment, what were they doing? They were, they were living in this, this moment of, of perfection. Right? They were living in this moment of, of pure innocence. They were living in a moment of unbroken intimacy with one another and unbroken intimacy with God. Right? There was a, a sense of, and a, and a, of simplicity in their lifestyle. Where they lived, they were literally living in, there was nothing going on apart from God's will, God's desires, and God's dreams of being expressed in the moment, right? It's just a beautiful, beautiful moment. I mean, and when you look at the picture, it, it, it has, in a sense, almost a, a feeling of childlikeness. You know what I mean? You know, this childlikeness where children just live in this, they, they live every day thinking everything is perfect and that their parents are the coolest people in the world. Right. And there's a sense of childlikeness, even in their in their own expression of Genesis one and two. It's and let me say this to you very quickly so you understand this. This is what you were designed for. You were designed and created by God to live the Genesis one and two history. That's what you were designed for. Why do you think you always have this person? How come you think you live your life always wanting to do something a little bit better or you want something a little bit more or that you always have this something that's like this deep tension inside of you of like, oh, I just want my life to make a difference. And why do you think 40 year old men buy Corvettes and all this kind of stuff, right? There's just this thing inside of them for more. There's something that's there's like, oh, there's just something that's longing for something. And the longing, it's really easy to name. You weren't created for this world that we live in. Because in Genesis chapter 3, history shifted. We lived in perfection, innocence, simplicity, and unbroken intimacy. And then man and woman decided that they were going to disobey God. They were going to what we call sin, right? They were going to disobey God. And in that moment, all of a sudden, tragedy, tragedy was introduced as we had the fall of man. This choice of sin in which we see man, human beings, separated from God. And tragedy enters. And all of a sudden, we now have fallenness. And now, we and then in creation itself, it's subjected to frustration. If you ever read Romans chapter 8, verse 22, it says this. It says, the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And it goes on in context saying, waiting to be liberated from decay. Creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time, waiting to be liberated from decay. See, this groaning, this groaning is about two things. It's about loss and it's about anticipation. It's about loss of what we once had, but anticipation of what we're going to have once again. I think of a, of a, of a man walking through the desert, right? And he's groaning in loss of this water that he just needs, right? But also groaning in anticipation that maybe just over the next hill is the water that he needs to sustain life. Creation's been groaning. There's something more. There's something missing. History is a story about perfection interrupted by brokenness. 
in the midst of that brokenness, being in need of salvation. Perfection interrupted by brokenness, again, in need of salvation. Think about the moments, think about history. Think about the, the moments, whether yesterday or, or today, or even think about those who are trying to paint history for tomorrow, right? Talk about 2012. Have you ever seen the movie 2012? Everything ends this year, y'all. People are already writing our history for us saying we're screwed, right? It's fantastic. Love it. Thanks for that, right? Good times. Right? History. History for us. Man, it's just, it's overwhelming. We think about these moments of history, all the brokenness, all the atrocities, and all the unspeakables. If you're on Facebook, like 99% of the world today, seemingly, if you're on Facebook, maybe you've seen in your news feed all these things from people, this story about, from Invisible Children. How many of you have seen that story this week of this documentary from Invisible Children? Yeah, basically it's talking, you know, and there are lots of back and forth with that story, but the, but the, 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 the heart of the story is true in Uganda. During their civil civil war, a man by Joseph Coney, everybody has his last name, he came into a village, came into villages and said, "Hey, here's my plan. I'm going to either, well, I'm going to just maim or kill all the men and women, and I'm going to steal a good chunk of the children away and make them kill their own parents to teach them how to be part of the." warrior team, right, that I'm forming here in Uganda in the midst of our civil war. And to help that process, let's just let's, let's put some drugs and heroin and whatever it may be into them or cocaine to make them lose their minds. They'll do what we want them to do. That is a true story. Right? It's a true story. That's happening right now, right, across the world in different places, okay? Joseph Coney is the most wanted man in the world during a civil war. Now, I don't know if you call that atrocity, but that's horrendous to me, right? That is a, that just, it's like slaps me across the face of this is something awful and terrible that should motivate me to at least pray. There, our history is not just yesterday, it's things that are still being written today, right? And history has in mind not just the beauty of who God used to be, but this introduction of tragedy, this introduction of atrocities, this, this interjection of something that's not supposed to be here, death itself, stepping in to the scene. On a more personal level, we think of our history, even around us, that deals with corrupt politicians. I mean, how many of you are tired of the whole Republican primaries. Let's just be honest. It's like, I love these guys, right? We're praying for all of them, and I'm tired of hearing about all this stuff, and I'm here to, tired of the smear campaigns and all these things coming out that are half-truths, right? I'm just tired of this. I'll be tired of it, you know? I'm tired of people talking about Obama. I'm tired of all this stuff, all the, the government, the Congress. I'm tired of all this stuff. Corrupt politicians are everywhere that we go, right? All these broken things that are going on with the death and divorce and the tornadoes we have and hurricanes and all of this stuff, right? We're living in the midst of history. It's broken. It's broken. And as we live in this moment, as we as we look back at it, as we prepare for it, prepare for it, something inside of all of us, I believe, resonates with creation. I believe something inside of us resonates with this groaning and this longing we find in creation because each of us, I believe, knows that there's something just not right with the world which we're living in right here in the moment. There's this tension 
when we watch, that we read the news, sometimes we just have to pull away from it, don't we? Because it's just too much. Because something inside of us says, this just isn't right. And along inside of us, right, something inside of us is, is groaning, saying, this is wrong. There's something wrong in history. There's something wrong that's going on right now that we're a part of. Eugene Peterson says this. History is lubricated by tears. History is lubricated by tears. The the tears of those who have lost. The tears of those who have suffered. Tears. Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, weeping to the point that, 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 that blood comes. It's just this overwhelming sense of tragedy in the moment. We all understand this. History lubricated by tears. And, and one thing in the midst of all of this brokenness is very clear. We need someone to, to save us. We need salvation. We need something. We need someone to bring about salvation. We're desperate. We need someone. We're groaning. We're crying out. We sense this inside of us. Why? Because something isn't right. We need someone to come who can save. It is in this need of salvation this morning that that points us to the season in which we find ourselves. We find ourselves in this Easter season, right? We're, We're five Sundays away from pastels. Right? We're five Sundays away, right, from wearing our best, right? We're five Sundays from Easter. We're five Sundays from the, from the reality of, of the resurrection. This moment of, of God pouring Himself out through His Son Jesus, right? We're just five Sundays away, and so we're in a season that the church for, for the last several hundred years has been calling Lent, right? It's a, it's a season of preparation, a season of, of getting our lives, of basically setting our, our gaze upon Jesus and getting rid of things that are hindering us from connecting to God, right? It's a season of preparation to, to prepare ourselves for this release of resurrection, of, of God moving in our lives, right? So we're in this season of Easter, the season of, of the story of Jesus, of Jesus moving in the lives of, of brokenness, right? The season of, of salvation, the culmination of the life of Jesus, as he, who, who looked upon history as he separated living in heaven. He's sitting in heaven and he's, and he's separated and he looks into, into history, from past and the present and the future. That's the thing I understand about God, about God's history. He already knows the past, present, and future. The human history for God is all present at one time. And he's looking at humanity, and he's looking at creation, he's looking at all of these pieces, all these pieces you wonder about and think about, and he all knows at one time. He's looking into all the brokenness. And he says, they need a salvation. Easter is the culmination of this, right? In fact, we could say, I believe, that all of history... Past, present, and future all points to one thing. It all points to Jesus. It all points to the need of a Savior. Because past, present, and future will all cry out with a groaning of their heart saying, We need something. We need someone to save us. And Jesus is the one at Easter who brought and will continues to bring everyday salvation. This is a season of salvation. The beauty of creation points to the Creator. And the brokenness 
points to the need of a Savior. And Jesus is that. So, some things I want us to see this morning about Jesus in this, in this role. Number one, Jesus willfully entered into history. Jesus willfully entered into the history of humanity, right? History begins with beauty. We love that, right? We still see pieces of it here on earth. We see, we sing. We see sunrises and stars. We see sunsets. We see, we see the Gillums, the little baby being born. This moment of birth is just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing, right? But in the context of all that beauty, what happens? Tragedy enters somewhere along the way, doesn't it? Have you ever known anyone who's never had some sort of tragedy, some sort of slap across the face happen in their life? All of us do. In the midst of beauty, there's always tragedy that comes. And Jesus, he looks down, he looks at the, the, the history even of the, the Jewish people and he recognizes even in their own lives, what was it? Brokenness. They're in captivity again and again and again, right? There's this tragedy in the history of God's own people. And into that, he says, I have to move. It was into history that Jesus willfully entered and he did not shy away from it. He entered it wholeheartedly as he literally entered into a human body. Jesus, listen, Jesus was more intent about us knowing him as a son of man than a son of God, the son of God. He wanted us to know him as a son of man, a human being, because he wanted us to know that he stepped into our situation. He stepped into our difficulty. He stepped into our history. He stepped into brokenness. He willfully did this. Second thing we know is that he willfully embraced history. He willfully embraced history. Now, when I say embraced, I don't mean that he condoned it. I don't mean that he celebrated it, but instead that he accepted that it was what it was and that he needed to engage it and shape it. What do I mean by this embrace? Well, listen, the only way to help a broken and dying person that you see on the side of the road is to embrace their physical body, pick them up, messiness and all, put them into your nice clean car to get all bloody and messy and dirty and take them to a hospital and then carry them into it. Jesus stepped into willfully embracing the brokenness of history, saying, you need someone to embrace you and to pick you up and to save you. So I'll do it. He willfully embraced it. Jesus embraced this brokenness. See, the great tragedy, I believe, of, of many Christians throughout history was to completely retreat from history. And I mean history, talking about the brokenness of our world, the reality of beauty and tragedy and need of a Savior, right? We, we, were, we pull back, right? Pull away as if we could, as if they, we could remove, like move away completely from brokenness and, and really this, this, Completely distance ourselves from the flawed nature of the fallenness of the world. This idea of trying to pull away, right? To not be soiled by issues. To, to steer clear of culture. To refrain from engaging society at the fear of becoming unclean. We pull away. Saying, well, culture's dirty. Society's dirty. There's brokenness everywhere. We're going to separate ourselves from it and create our own special Christian subculture that we never have to leave. Listen, I love, I love the idea of Christian phone books. 
so we can support our brothers and sisters. But if we only live in the Christian phone book, then we've distanced ourselves from where God's trying to move. Jesus said to the hyper-religious, you walked down a path, and on your left side, there was a man who had just been beaten up and robbed and was bloody. And hyper-religious people, you know what you did? You got as far on the other side of the road as you could, and you walked past him thinking it was best for you to stay clean and not engage. And then a Samaritan who's a half-breed, according to Jews. They hated Samaritans. Jesus says, what's the word? He's convicting them in the moment. He's making them hate him. He's saying, hey, listen, let's take the half-breeds you hate. He was walking down the same path. You know what? He saw this guy bleeding. You know what he did? He reached over to him. He got off of his donkey. He got off his high horse, right? He got off his high horse. He got off of it, walked over, embraced, and picked up the bleeding and dying man. He put him on his donkey so all of his blood could pour over all of his own stuff and get all messy and all nasty. And then he walked the extra mile to the next, to the next village and walked to the innkeeper and said, here's all the money that I have. Would this, would you use this to take care of him until I return showing that I still have ownership of the situation and not passing it off to somebody else? Jesus painted the picture for us of what it means to wholly embrace history. Of getting down off the high horse and saying, this is the picture This is the picture of what it means to engage the broken and to embrace brokenness. See, the great tragedy of many Christians is that we retreat from history. In history, we, we retreat again and again and again, but Jesus says you have to engage it. See, it never occurred to our biblical ancestors that they could deal better with God by escaping from history as if getting away from it all, as we say. We cannot get closer to God by distancing ourselves from the mess of history, of brokenness, of brokenness of people, of issues that we face in life, right? Jesus entered into and embraced history and all of its filth and all of its brokenness and said, let me save you. He didn't retreat from it, but he became this agent of salvation as he embraced brokenness. Remember, A dying man or a woman can only be saved if someone embraces him or he or she, picks he or she up, and moves them to safety. Third, he rewrote history. He rewrote history. He rewrote an understanding of history that now it's not just death. It's not just beauty and then tragedy forever. But he rewrites the reality of what history can become. Jesus as the Savior, coming in and stepping into the moment, right? The centerpiece for dealing with history is the death of Jesus. Jesus, who was sinless, who was innocent, he is killed and is 100% not fair. Yet in his sacrifice, a beautiful new truth emerges. Salvation has come. As Jesus stepped into history, he did it with an expectation. His expectation was clear. An expectation of suffering, an expectation of betrayal, 
in an expectation of martyrdom. Yet he knew the result would be transformation and redemption or salvation for every single one of us in this room who would worship, give ourselves to him and say, Jesus, you are Lord, and I will serve you for the rest of my life. Jesus entered in. What we must understand is this. Jesus, he willfully chose. Listen, you're gonna, you don't, we hate this. He willfully chose the way of suffering. He willfully chose the way of death. And his suffering identified him with us. He says, listen, I'm not just going to be over here, but I'm going to actually get down and suffer with you. Why? So there's a level of solidarity, a level of oneness. We are one. And it begins with the fact that I'm a son of man who has entered into the world that you've lived in, and its beauty and its tragedy, and I have experienced my own brokenness. I know where you've been, and I know what you've gone through, and I understand, because I've lived your life on earth. Suffering and death, the worst life can hand us, it's the very stuff out of which salvation is fashioned. Because in the midst of brokenness, we're in need of a Savior, in that moment, then God comes and saves us, whether it's through Jesus the speaking or Jesus moving through us, which, here's the, which leads us to this part. Here's what I want us to recognize for ourselves this morning then. Jesus came and expressed this life, so what do we need to learn from this? Number one, we must live in history ourselves. We must live in history. Pick up your newspaper or go to... Go to CNN.com or FoxNews.com and, and, and read the news tomorrow. Go home and read it today. Read all the things that are going on in the world. Read the tragedies. Read about the horrific things that are going on. Right? Recognize, just embrace the reality that history is happening right now. Broken, the brokenness is, is diving into beauty. Yesterday, I was, you know, I was just talking to a couple people a second ago. That I was my girl's softball game yesterday. Okay, They're over at Lost Mountain playing softball and and I saw Tracy there, and, and, and we were sitting in, not, we're sitting there, and it's been a great day, right? Sarah, she's my seven-year-old. She had gotten a hit and scored her first run, right? She literally, she was playing right center, and, and the ball went through this other girl's legs, went right to Sarah. She grabbed it with the alligator, boom, right? And she ran to second base, and she touched it because she's so fast like me. She went straight to second base, right, got the girl out, and I literally started doing this. I'm just going to show you. I was like, yes, yes, like this, just like that, right in the moment, right? It was a beautiful moment. It was the essence of softball beauty for the handbricks. And so I walk over and hanging out with a buddy of mine and we're talking, right? I mean, I literally, I was like that dorky dad and I loved it, right? And, and Sarah's like, yes, yeah, awesome. We're high-fiving and hugging and high-fiving again, right? And I slapped on the butt like you do in, in, in baseball. She's like, what'd you do that for? I'm like, you do that in this game, sorry, right? Anyway, so, I don't know why I said that. Anyway, so we had that moment. It was just so funny. She's like, she looked at me like this. Anyway. So we're having a great time, right? And then we go over to the other field, and I'm telling my buddy, Bill Tanner, about this. I'm like, man, look what happened. This is so cool. And all of a sudden, someone get a doctor. Someone get a doctor. And I see this mass exodus from this field over here. And I look over there, and I'm like, what's going on? And I run over, and a man has just died. Now, by God's grace, they came to the CPR and brought him back. But he died right there. Right there. He just stumbled and fell on the ground and stopped breathing. Heart stopped. 
All these girls are screaming. Anna Catherine's running over, and I'm screaming at her, Get back where your mom is! Do not come over here! Of course, she didn't listen, came anyway, right? Great father I am. Anyway, but there's this whole dynamic. And so I'm going, oh! So I go over and literally just watch, and, and, they, and the ambulance comes, and Tracy's over there. She's leading a, this women around, praying in the circle, right? Just praying, healing, praying, healing, right? And I'm sitting there on the moment, the beauty of this day, all of a sudden, boom, tragedy hits. Tragedy hits. Jesus embraced this, right? We must come because this, this happens. We must embrace history, the beauty of it, and the tragedy. We must step into this reality of recognizing that history is happening right now. It's happening around us. Tragedy and brokenness. And Jesus is coming and saying, I'm the, I'm the one who saves. Something's not right. I'm groaning. Yes, we step into We must live in history. There was number two, and I kind of said we must then embrace history ourselves. Jesus left this place of perfection, right, to embrace brokenness, to come into the moment. Beauty was no longer here. Tragedy entered, and they're now kind of intertwined together, right? And he comes in, the broken history, broken humanity, and he came to bring life. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor. It is the sick. Do you know why he said that in Mark? He said, was that Mark chapter 2, verse 17? Because the... Pharisees, the hyper-religious people today, looked at him and said, why are you hanging out with the broken people? Why are you hanging out with the sinners and the prostitutes? Why are you hanging out with the very ones we think are dirty? He looked at him. I don't think he had word. I don't think he had. Maybe he had eyes of love. I don't really. I don't know. I would like to think he was eyes of justice, saying it is not the healthy who need a doctor. It is the sick. And I bring salvation. And I'm coming today to do that. And either you get on board or you get out of my way. We must embrace history. We must come alongside of Jesus and say, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it is the sick. For, for Jesus pictured this for us from Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to hang out and do what he wanted to do. He came to seek, as in like this. I'm looking intently. Do you look intently for the broken? With with intention, he's seeking. He pictures that seeking and says, he will seek it as a lost treasure. Seek it as a lost coin. I will seek it with everything that I have. I will sell, I will sell everything else that I have to get this. He sought to save. We live in history. We must embrace History. Jesus looked at the, the teachers of the law and said, hey, who do you think got it right? The two hyper-religious that passed by the Samaritan or the one who stopped and helped him? And the guy goes, well, I guess the guy stopped. Obvious. He said, now you go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Remember, a dying person can only be saved if someone picks he or she up and moves them to safety. We must embrace history, which means we must embrace brokenness. And brokenness is always in the context of humanity. Who have you embraced 
recently. Number three, we must rewrite history. We must rewrite history. We must rewrite this with Jesus coming along saying, God, in their life, there's beauty and there is then brokenness. And then God, they don't have anything else. We must then speak salvation, right? This rewriting of their history, rewriting of our history. The moment we gave our lives to Jesus, our history was rewritten forever. Why? Because we now have a Savior who's in relationship with us, right? We are now changed forever. We are saved forever to, to be with him and then to work alongside of him as co-laborers in Christ, right? We must rewrite history. Jesus rewrote history by bringing salvation through suffering. He embraced a life of sacrifice. He embraced a life of brokenness, finding solidarity and oneness with the world who were living in their own brokenness, saying, I understand. I've been where you are. But he didn't step into it just so he could suffer. He suffered so that he could he could save. He suffered so we could know that he is one who understands. He, his suffering led to salvation, right? Everyone needs a Savior. Everyone needs Jesus. Jesus is calling us to live this same life of rewriting your history or rewriting your neighbor's history. Why? Because you engage them. You speak into their history, into their lives. 1 Peter 2.21 Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his footsteps. I, I don't like that verse. Let's just be completely honest. What Jesus, what, what Peter's saying is, listen, Christ suffered, and this is the example of what your life should look like too. You also should follow in his footsteps by embracing brokenness and suffering, by stepping into a broken person's life in their place of need, and when they weep and you weep. When they have joy, you have joy. When they're broken, you engage them in that brokenness and be Jesus and love them. Why? Because they're groaning for a Savior and Jesus wants to move through you. He goes on in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, Paul says, I want to know. He says this is about his own life. I want to know Christ and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. All that saying is Paul's going to say, listen, I want to be a model of how Jesus lived. If that means I have to suffer to bring salvation, which leads to death, that's fine. Because I want to live in history, embrace history, and I want to be used by God to rewrite someone else's history. Of bringing salvation, of introducing them to Jesus, of just helping them walk that path so God can intervene. Just helping This is the message of Easter. It's what we're leading ourselves up to. This message of God moving through his son Jesus, bringing Easter, bringing life into death, resurrection. Isn't it awesome when Jesus rewrote history and said, hey, listen, I created beauty for you. It was like this long. And then we you intervened humanity and then there was tragedy and it was like this long. But I came to intervene and rewrite history and bring salvation. Boom, there I go, doing my thing. That's who I am. It's what I do. I'm Jesus. Bringing salvation, rewrote history, and everything else now in in history, and human history now points back to the sacrifice of Jesus. And Jesus says, I want to welcome you to the same life that I live, of suffering and brokenness, 
so that you can then bring salvation. You can't save someone unless you get out of your nice car, walk over, pick them up, and embrace them and pick them up, open the back door, and let them bleed all over your brand new leather seats and drive them to the hospital and then pay for them while they're there. That's kind of the analogy. You're embracing them in such a degree that you invest fully into them for their salvation. Whether it's just salvation because they don't know Jesus or salvation because they're Christians living in a midst of brokenness because some tragedy has hit them. This morning, the, well, let me just give you these five things real quick, practical things you can do. Put them up on the screen there for me. Ready, Eddie? All right. Something, there's things that you can do in this season, okay, just to kind of take your mind off of stuff, right, of living separated from Jesus and kind of put it back on him so you can live in history and embrace history. Number one is fast something. I mean fast. Like, do away with something in your life that could easily be a distraction in your life, right, whether it's TV or, or it's literally a meal or maybe it's several meals or several weeks of meals, whatever it may be, right, and then devote your time to Jesus, right, fast something. Just do, get rid of something in your life that maybe distracts you. Number two. Read the Easter story in each of the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go, like the, go to Matthew and go like halfway back, or let's say about three-quarters back in Matthew. Start basically at the Passover feast of Jesus implementing the Lord's Supper, okay? Start there and read in all four. Kind of first read it just to get the story, to read about Jesus, right? Don't read it for yourself. Just read it so you can see what Jesus did, right? We want, we want to know all about Jesus. So read it for Jesus' sake. Just read it a second time to see how you fit into it, okay? Just read it like it's a story, history of Jesus, and read how you fit into it a second. Number three, instead of, of listening to talk radio men on the way to work this, 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 this week, right, whether it's, you know, um, sports or just literally whatever, or politics, turn your radio off this week and listen to Jesus. Talk to him. Engage the silence. Do you know that Jesus doesn't usually compete with things that are allowed? Do you know that? He doesn't normally compete with, vo- other, with things that are allowed. Like, he's not out there trying to compete. He's like, if you're giving yourself something allowed, I'll let you do that. I'm here. When you're ready in your silence, I'll speak to you. Be still and know that I am God. Number four, get off of Facebook, Twitter, and chat. This is specifically for the youth. The youth, we're all the youth. Raise your hand real quick. If you're in, in, in youth, okay. All right. Joel, put your hand down. You're so old. All right. If you're youth, all right? Get off of Facebook. Get off of Twitter. Get off of social media, okay? Get off your chat. Get off your texts. I dare you for the next week to put your phone down and stop texting. My neighbor did, not Abby, but another neighbor did like 10,000 texts within a month. It's 10,000 texts in a month. Like, I, I, I try to do the math on that. You know, Gary, you can probably do a better piece here. I'm not sure. Ed, 48, but I can't do math. I was like, it was a lot of time spent, right? It's like he literally had to spend a lot of his time uh, when he should be sleeping and texting at like 3 in the morning. I'm thinking, it's like totally driven by it, right? It engulfed the, it's like, it's like an appendage. It's like, hey, how's it going? Good to see you today, right? It's like, you know, whatever. It's like. Whatever, it's just bizarre. Get off of text for a week, I dare you. And, and, and take that time where you're usually wasting your time and engage Jesus. Or maybe you just create a phone number with Jesus and start texting Jesus on your phone because you're so used to that communication. I don't care what you do, right? Text your prayers to Jesus. But engage him, right? Engage him. 
get off of these things to distract, right? Season of Easter, preparation, a time of getting our eyes focused on the Lord. Number five, sac- do some, sacrifice your time and your energy to help someone in need. I said at the Connect Conference this past weekend, give of your best, give your best time and your best energy, not your scraps. Find someone who's, do you know anybody who's in need, who would just like you to visit at their house, who would like you to come and pray for them, like you to cook them a meal, someone who just needs help, whatever it may be? Do you know anybody who's broken in the world? If you don't, then you definitely need to embrace history, right? Find that person in the next 40 days. Do it this week. Find them and engage them, right? Just give of your best. If you've got to take a day off of work to bless them, then by God, do it. Give of your best. Embrace. This morning, here's how we're going to end our time. Matthew, Matt Wood is here. If you are, uh, if you are on the prayer chain, a lot of you know uh, Matt was just diagnosed Lap, not this past Friday, but the Friday before, uh, with a very large tumor, uh, cancerous uh, mass on his kidney. Matt, you can go ahead and come forward to Janice. I want you all to sit right there. So you to stand up. This is Matt. Matt's having surgery. He's going in tomorrow at 9 in a robot. I remember this part from the email, the robot. Yeah, this is going to... Janice gave me a hard time because I just forgot for a second, so she made me feel really bad about myself. Um, anyway, he's having surgery tomorrow at 9 a.m. A robot's going to do this surgery, and the idea is hoping to keep part of the kidney because at his age he needs to be able to keep a good chunk of his kidney, right? He can't just live off one for the rest of his life, according to the doctor. So remember that part of the email, too. And so he needs that. And so but there's this tumor. And so, listen, they just had a baby. So they're living their life. They just got back from Cumberland Island with the, uh, with the Bagwells doing this great, neat camping trip. I saw pictures of them climbing on trees, and Lane almost got run over by a horse or something like that, right? And there's this whole dynamic. It's this great. Life's going. They get back, and he goes down. Was it Statesboro? You're in Statesboro, and he's not. He's, he starts, um, he starts, when he goes to the bathroom. Huh? Hematuria. Yes. He had basically, uh, he had a kidney stone, and blood was coming out and so he went to the hospital, and they got their MRI, and boom, it was, he saw this big tumor. Was it, it was eight, by, eight centimeters by eight centimeters by six centimeters. See how? Eight by eight by six. Eight by eight by six. It's a big old tumor, right? And so what happens? Boom. Life intervenes. Tragedy intervenes, right? It's life. It's history. They're living it out right now. Now, Jesus is obviously here, but here's what we're going to do this morning to end. We're going to pray for them, Okay? This is your first opportunity after my message to not think about yourself and to engage the brokenness of a moment, right? We want to pray for them. And we want to pray. Listen, we want to pray that God heals fully. They've got three small children, right? I, I don't have, these are all things they're naming. I'm not saying they're saying things they don't know, right? It's a, it's hit, life hits, history hits, and what do you do? It's like, oh, I call them oh crap moments. What do I do? You may use different words than that. That's fine. That's what happens. This stuff hits, right? And you're like, oh, Jesus. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to come and intervene for them. We're going to embrace their history, and we are going to pray salvation. We're going to pray healing. We're going to pray God's movement of the Holy Spirit into their lives, right? Are you catching what I, are you picking up what I'm laying down? Are you engaging this, right? How many of you love Matt and Janice and want to see God move in their lives? All right, so here's what we're going to do. 
Let's see, God, go ahead and come. Nate, why don't you come up and just begin to lead us a little bit of worship. We're going to worship. We're going to come around them, okay? We're going to come around them and pray for them. We're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray for restoration, right? We're going to pray that God will remove cancer, right? We're going to pray that God moves. We're going to intervene and pray into this history for them, okay? And so this morning, if, that, if you would like to come, uh, so here's the deal. The Bible's very clear. It says, I pour out gifts, some of the gift of prophecy and the gift of administration and some of the gift of healing. If you believe this morning, you say, yes, I believe God is, is moving through me with the gift of healing. I want to invite you to walk forward right now, okay? The gift of healing, they're in prayed over you in your life. Just come forward. I want you to get around them and pray for them, okay? Just lay hands on them. Now, anyone else who'd like to come, like to come, we're going to, as you, before we um, pray, Matt, and Janice, I'm going to have, actually, uh, Sheila, you're standing right there. Have them take communion real quick, okay? This is the body and the blood of Jesus. It was, Matt, it was broken for you. It was broken for you. He's, this is the blood of Jesus shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Now, I just want to encourage you to go ahead and just begin to pray. If you're in your seat and... You can just, uh, this is Matt right here. Just, just begin to pray for him. If you haven't prayed in 30 years, that's fine. Jesus still hears you. Just say, Jesus, bring healing. Just going to begin to pray. Ask God to move tomorrow. Ask God to bring complete restoration. We just pray for this long life for Matt. Jesus. Yes, Jesus.
He said, come unto me, all of you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lord, we come. We lay this burden. We lay this, this thing that you never designed. It came through the brokenness. It came through a choice. Dear God, but you came and you chose Jesus to obey the Father. That we could stand here today and pray for our brother and sister in your name. That you might be glorified. That your name may be lifted up. And many will hear and see. Yes, Lord. So, Father, this morning... We just come into this place, and Jesus, we acknowledge you as Lord, and we acknowledge you as Savior, and we acknowledge, God, that nothing happens apart from your knowledge. We praise you, Father, that you are all-powerful, and we praise you, Jesus, that just the testimony of your life was to again and again and again and again and again to heal and to pour yourself out on those who are broken. And so, Father, we say yes and amen to who you are this morning. We say yes and amen to the movement of your spirit. We say yes and amen to healing and say, Jesus, move in Matt's body even now as we pray, Lord, and do something that only you can do, God, and receive glory that's only due your name. Lord, we love you. So, Father, we, we, we commission him into your care. God, he belongs to you. God, remind us this week and tomorrow to continue to pray for him, to pray for Janice. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would help us and just as you would have us to, God, to embrace the history of their life as they have need and to engage them, Lord, and to come and to be Jesus to them. Father, we love you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, this morning, um, here's what we're going to do. If you need to go, you're more than welcome to do that. Thank you, first-timers. Thanks for being here, and uh, we're glad that you are here. Hope you come back, and, um, and make sure you just make sure I, I'll shoot the email this week. But if you'd like to stay, we're going to do this. Um, we're going to take some time and have time in ministry. And if there are others this morning who come in their brokenness, and you're like, I'd like to get prayer, we'll have ministry teams available on each side. If you'd like to take communion this morning, communion that we have had available every Sunday morning, and that time of communion is a time where you can come and, and, and just engage the body and the blood of Jesus here. And my belief is that as you do that, God moves. And so you guys have a great week. Uh, we, uh, we love you. Don't forget to sign up for the sheets out there. And if you, again, if you did sign up for baptism, or excuse me, if you told me about baptism, I've forgotten who you are. So sign up for that sheet, and we'll get in touch with you. We love you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.